Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Codswallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking codswallop. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay, <laughs> I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Codswallop podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith. Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster and you're listening to a podcast. Talking Cod Swallow, right here, man. Welcome to this week's Talking Cards Wallet. This is an intro for the show because sadly I was not able to be here for the actual interview you're about to hear. The last couple of weeks I've been really feeling really, really poorly actually. And for the American listeners, poorly is ill. Yeah, James stepped up in a big bad way and he not only secured this interview, which, you know, props to him, well done, but he also fulfilled the interview as well. And I think he did a really good job. So I hope you enjoy it. That's about it, really. I just wanted to do an intro myself so that everybody could hear my wonderful voice so that you all know that I'm still here, but in this episode, I'm not. Also, happy Sunday. So this will be quite a funny episode if it actually comes out on a different day than a Sunday, but I'm pretty certain we're going to be back to normal, back to Sunday fun day with Talking Codswallop podcast and back on schedule back on schedule so we've got a lot of other exciting things coming up which all will be revealed very soon i'm gonna hand over to the wonderful host of this show james and he has sat down this week with the wonderful robin shelby who is just adorable so i can't wait to actually speak to her again in the future so sit back relax and enjoy this episode Hello and welcome to Celluloid Codswallop, the corner of talking Codswallop where we discuss films we love and the people who have played a part in bringing them to life. Now, it is rare that you can say you've been part of cinematic history and it's even rarer to be able to say that you've been part of a cultural heritage that's impacted upon numerous film genres. However, our guest today can say that and so much more. So it's with great pleasure I give you the multi-talented, the wonderful, the lovely, the one and only Robin Shelby. Give it up, people. <laughs> you are too sweet. Thank you. So thank you for thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for coming on. So, Robin, it's fair to say that you're a lady of many talents, but <laughs> I'm intrigued to know how does the Robin Shelby story begin? Well, um, I grew up in Illinois. Um, about an hour outside of Chicago, kind of by the the Michigan border. I'm, I'm sorry, the Wisconsin border. Um, and I lived there till I was 11. And I moved out to Northern California when I was 11. Uh, bit the acting bug by going on stage. And, uh, and I haven't looked back ever since. I've been acting. I started out in children's theater and just kind of grew to love it more and more and more. And 
I've acted ever since for almost as long as I, I can remember I've been acting. So that's, that's how I kind of got started in the, in the business anyway. And prior to, to going into that, did you have any sort of career aspirations prior, you know, before the idea of going to acting or performing art? Yeah. You know, when I, uh, growing up as a, as, as a kid, I, I was interested in science and medicine. Um, and I think had I not caught the acting bug, I might have gone into nursing or or becoming a doctor. Um, that was kind of where my interest lied when I was when I was really little. So what do you think took you from doing that, you know, from wanting to do that as a career, you know, to mm-hmm. look at medicine, things like that? What made you, you, you go towards acting? I just fell in love with it instantly. It's almost like the minute I did my the first show. I, it's one of those things that you start walking on and I walked out on stage and I just, I just knew this is what I want to do. I, I can't explain it. Uh, it was just everything kind of aligned and it's like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. And this is what I really want to do. And I guess one of the big things with acting or anything that's in the performing arts is the fact that you are bringing, I guess a bit like, a bit like the medical profession, you are bringing real happiness to people because obviously in the medical profession you're making people better from when they've been sick whereas right. in the acting profession your job is is entertaining you're making people pretty much happy all the time you can take them uh, from a point where i guess that they may be very upset or things may be affecting them in life mm-hmm. you can put something on the screen or do something in the theater that makes them feel brilliant right i think that's why i fell in love with it you can move people you can you can kind of uh present different ideas and educate people and, and make, make people think. I, I, I love that. I love making people laugh. I, I love moving people to make them think about something that they didn't think of before they walked in the movie theater or, or the, the live theater. Uh, I think, I think that's what I fell in love with just moving people in that kind of way. Like you said, it's making people happy or even if you make them sad, you're making them think or reflect on something that, um, that they can take with them forever. Mm. And obviously, looking back on the fact that you uh, obviously went into the the, the performing arts, who would you say influenced you the most to go into that? Um, It's funny. Looking at old, um, I have to say Carol Burnett. I would have to say (laughs) Carol Burnett. Um, Brilliance, just pure brilliance. And and, and as a human being, I saw she was kind and um, giving and... Um, a good performer and, and a good person. And I kind of really looked up to her from the moment I, I started watching her shows, really. Well, I can't think of any of you better to look for in that sort of yeah. thing. Carol Burnett's is wonderful. So obviously you, you, you initially thought about the idea of doing medicine as a potential career mm-hmm. and you made mm-hmm. the choice to go into the performing arts. How did, mm-hmm. how was this? Because you hear from a lot of people that when they tell the family they wish to do this, they the parents look at them with sort of like uh, horror, thinking, you know, that they yep. could never have a career in <laughs> one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And we'll be unable to survive. So what was, I have to ask, <laughs> what was the reaction from your your family? Um, I, I got to be honest. It's like um, I had one parent who was horrified and afraid that I would never be able to to make a living. And, you know, I understood, I understood it. But um, it was still my dream. But I understood her concern. My mom was very afraid that you need something stable, you know. Mm-hmm. And she came from she needed something secure for her kids. 
and and my dad kind of saw something in me i think being on stage that he he was more look throw caution to the wind and 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 do it go after what you love to do so you know they both they both were doing they're saying the, the things for the right reasons coming from a place of concern and love but one was more supportive of of the the arts and the other was not so supportive of the arts. So, and I had other family members be concerned. So it is tough. You have to, you have to stay strong. If there's something you really want to do. And I think I'd tell this to anybody who's an artist, whether it be an actor, a dancer, a, uh, an artist who draws um, a painter, if that's what you truly love to do, stick with it. You know, no matter who tells you, no, if, if that's what you truly want to do, just pursue it and, and don't, don't look back. Don't give up. So obviously, I mean, that is phenomenally good advice. And it is something that I think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head that if someone can find something that they're truly passionate about or want to do, they really should pursue it. Because too many times in life, you will see people who have settled, they have mm-hmm. taken the safe option, um, and it can leave you incredibly unfulfilled, um, incredibly unfulfilled. And it's quite disheartening when you see people mm-hmm. who've done that. I mean, you can understand why it happens. It's that life, life can throw things at you that you don't have any other option but to deal with them in that way. But I think your advice right. is very good on that. Thank you. And and it's so easy to take the easy route. Um, it's very simple to say, okay, I'm going to take the, the road more traveled and, and, and easier to cross. But it's so worth it if if you stick with it and you take the, the path less traveled Mm-hmm. But you you get what you love to do, and you're you're pursuing your passion. It's a bit like embrace the fear, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it is. It is. It's not easy because trust me. You know, I still have it, there. There are moments that you you think, "Am I crazy for doing this?" You know, but <laughs> but but then there are moments that that it, it's totally the opposite. You you have that moments where you hear yes, and then it's it makes it all worthwhile. All those no's make it all worthwhile when you get to do what you love to do. And also, I guess you can say to the people who've said no, well, look, it's worked out. I've given it a shot. Look, look what's happened here. It, right. You spurred me on to uh, to do greater to to do greater things. Exactly, and the no's can they can either inspire you or they can kick you down. And the trick is to let it put a fire under you and, and inspire you to keep moving and not. And, and it's so easy to get upset on a no. I do it all the time. But then after like a day, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, no, well, let's move on. I'm going to go on to the next thing and not let this affect me. And and you just have to stay, like I said, just stay strong. And the taking an, an artist route is never easy. But, man, it's, it's it pays off. And it's so worthwhile if if you don't give up, truly. So, I mean, Excellent words to live by. So if, well, if we go back a bit to the fact that you were saying you did theatre work, um, mm-hmm. as I understand it, well, I was going to ask the question, what was the most challenging and rewarding part of doing that? And you were saying earlier that obviously uh, the interact, you know, the contact you can make with people, the, the emotional response you can bring mm-hmm. from them is one of the things. But I was wondering, um, what would you say you found to be the most rewarding thing of doing theatre work? Um, the reason I fell in love with theater, uh, which is the first medium that I was in, I didn't do film right away, but Mm -hmm. theater it's instant. 
you're, you're with the audience and you, you get the reaction right there. You're all together at the same time. And, and that's pretty magical. If you're in an audience and things are working and, and, and you're doing your job and they're, they're liking what everyone is doing on stage. It's pretty, it's, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. And what would you say is the, the most challenging part of it? Um, do you, do no, you get there, stage fright? Uh, yes, I, I mean I, I still do, but that's, but the trick is, and and again for any actor who's out there that has stage fright, and that's a lot of people, um, use it to your advantage. Um, try to you have to keep it under control enough to be able to do your job and not let it affect you. But you can use your nerves to your advantage as well. You really can if it's under control, but you kind of. Uh, channel it into your character that you're playing it can, it can be amazing a little bit of fear is not a bad thing it's when you let it get out of control and let it keep you in your head where you can't do your job and have fun with it the trick is still having fun you can be a little nervous but still have a good time with it now as i understand that you were in honey have i got that right i was in what honey i'm sorry hammy you no, Annie. Oh, Annie, yes, yes. Actually, I did Annie. Um, I was I was an 18-year-old playing an orphan um, in, in the musical Annie in Northern California. And Joanne Worley um, from Laugh-In um, mm-hmm. played Miss Hannigan. <laughs> she she played the the the, the director, um, the orphanage director, the the mm-hmm. person who's 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 dealing with the kids. Um, and that was a dream show that I always wanted to do. That's one of those shows that when I actually got it, and there's like 450 kids that auditioned for that show when I auditioned for it. And um, just getting in was um, a thrill and it was so much fun. It was like a, a beautiful theater with like 2,500 seats. Um, and, and to, to act with somebody like Joanne Worley, who is very funny and I could learn so much from, was pretty amazing at that age. I was I was pretty lucky to get that job. Absolutely. Well, it's good to see that you got such great memories from from playing that part. Oh, and thank you. That's a really you. iconic. That's a really iconic part to have as well. Well, to be honest, like I I, I was the under base. I was one of the orphans. They they normally have I believe six orphans. They added a seventh, which was me, and I pretty much understudied all the other orphans on the stage. So. I was doing the show every night as one of the orphans, but I had to know everybody's blocking, everybody's lines, and every everybody's choreography. So it was it was a, it was a huge undertaking, believe it or not. But a, again, a great learning experience uh, to go through to have to have that all in your head and know it and and learn it. It was great. It was good. Good. It was it was good training. Let me tell you. I was going to say, when you're saying about learning everybody's uh, blocking some lines, just thinking no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of pressure, but but again, it's a show that I love. So when you're doing something that 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 inspires you and you love so much, it's really not work. It's just it, it's 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 an effort. You have to put effort into it to do it, but but you're loving every minute of it at the same time. So that that's that's kind of where, what it was for me. So you've been in Annie. You've yes. been in something, something there, which is uh, an iconic uh, piece of theatre uh, mm-hmm. musical that you know pretty much everybody knows. And yeah. 
I, I mean, you've done it again. You've gone something else that that is that is iconic and has had <laughs> has real impact on the genre. You ended up in Willow. I did. I did. Please tell me more about Willow. <laughs> Um, it was uh, Willow. First of all, I think is one of the most underrated, beautiful movies ever. I agree. I, 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 agree. I love it. I love the message. I think it's just a gorgeous movie. And and um, if your listeners haven't checked it out, you know, go go pick it up. You know, rent it or or stream it and watch it. It's really a great film. Um, but I yes, I was one of the trolls that got eaten off a bridge that Willow runs into. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that was my introduction to industrial light and magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time that um, I had an agent in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. And she called me saying, uh, they, they, they kind of want, want to meet with you. They're looking for somebody that has good physicality about your size. Go, go check it out. And I got the job. And I worked for two days on, on Willow in, uh, in the Bay Area. And it was incredible. The people are brilliant at ILM. And talk about an education. It was it was incredible. And what was the whole sort of costuming process like? <laughs> that wasn't, you know, it, it, there's definitely a whole body. I was furry from head to toe, um, and <laughs> there, there's a picture on my on my um, Facebook page. If you if if, mm-hmm. if you're not friends with me, go ahead and check it out. But basically, um, I look like a pretty ugly troll from head to toe and uh, <laughs> and it wasn't that difficult to get into it took me maybe 15 20 minutes to get into but i can tell you a little story that i've told before but it, it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. i woke up I, I got cast and um i i had to work the next morning and i woke up in the middle of the night with 102 fever throwing up i, I had the wow. stomach flu and, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, what do I do? And my dad, actually, at the time, he took the day off of work so he could drive me. It was about an hour and a half drive from where I lived to ILM. And he took the day off and drove me up there so I could do the day of work. Um, and uh, I ended up doing okay. I, I started feeling better on the way up. And uh, so luckily, it, was, it, it all worked out. But had my dad not taken the day off of work and had I not done that job, I think my whole a lot would have changed for me because mm. that's kind of how how I got introduced to ILM to do Slimer. So if I hadn't done Willow, I I might not be talking to you right now. Wow, I mean, Pat, you've got to love your parents. That's something that I uh, always mm-hmm. think of with when I'm when uh, I uh, do anything with my uh, or help out my my parents. Unfortunately, my mother's passed away, but when I was, whenever I have been asked to help them with things, I always think, well. The amount of things you've done for me in the past, I would be remiss to have not not been able to assist you. You're a wise you, man. <laughs> you, your family do give up an awful lot of things for you. But as a child, you don't, or a younger uh, younger person, you never probably fully appreciate until you get older. So yeah. And and without question, he just dropped everything and said, "I'm going to take you up there." So it was uh, pretty amazing what he did for me. But I ended up doing the day the day of work. Um, and made it through and the job was almost like a stunt i was hanging from a bar 15 feet up in the air and and, wow. and keep in mind this is after throwing up all night and, and, they, <laughs> <laughs> and they had they, they put like a, a a wire and a rope on my leg so i would fall into this this like a a, a pit a cushion 
Um, mm. So it looked like I was being pulled from the bridge. And I don't know how I made it through that day, but I'm so grateful I did. Um, but we, we got through it and we got what they needed and all was all was well. Hey, Robin, I'm very, very thankful that you got that job as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would. Uh, I also echo what you said on the fact of seeing uh, Willow. For anyone who hasn't seen it, please take the time to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, get it. I'm sure you can get it in downloadable format. Get it in Blu-ray. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I love it as a film. Um, I also have an interesting link to it myself in the fact that I have family friends who were in it. Um, they were um, they were extras. Uh, oh. they're, they're, li- they're little people. Um, oh, that's awesome. And they would have, they were were in that film called Penny and Arthur Dean. So when they listen to this, I've given them the required name check. Oh, good, good, good. But yes, definitely. Um, anybody, I would say it, it's a surprise film that you had no idea. A lot of people had no idea that it's actually out there and as good as it is. Pick it up, you won't be sorry. It's really great. And do you still have any contact with people who are involved in the making of it? Um, I do have contact with the person who hired me. Um, his name is Ned Gorman. He's he's retired since, but a brilliant, brilliant effects uh, supervisor, and uh, I, I still keep in touch with with him. Absolutely. Good, good. So obviously, you had done Willow, which for mm-hmm. most it sounds like you had one hell of an experience going into it being <laughs> ill and then being. <laughs> Hung up. <laughs> Absolutely. Hung up high above the ground, but you also <laughs> lived to tell the tale. I did. I'm here. I'm okay. <laughs> I can only imagine what has been racing through your mind at that point. <laughs> Just please don't throw up. Please don't throw up. <laughs> so, the one that probably most people will know you for mm-hmm. is your work on Ghostbusters 2. Yes. Um, could you tell us a bit more about that? I'm intrigued to know what the audition process was. Well, the audition process, I went there and I was not told what it was for. Um, it was kind of not really, the details were given to me and I understand why. But uh, basically, they put me through some, some uh, an audition process where, you know, okay, you're, and I should have figured it out from, from this, but you know, okay, you're eating something. Somebody sees you from the left. Okay, now you're going to eat faster and you have to run. You have to go. Basically, they just put me through a few uh, physical um, auditions to see how I would handle the direction and to see if I could change things up and, and listen to what they needed. Um, and I, I, like I said, I had no idea what it was for. But it was ILM. I had already worked there on Willow. I was so excited just to go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people there are just like the best of the very best. And just to be able to be called in to possibly work with them again, I was just over the moon. And of course, when I found out found out what it was for, I was in shock, like in, in a pleasant way. Um, but I found out shortly after that. So I, I met with them, went through a few scenarios of what Slimer might do. And then within, I think, a day or two, I got a phone call saying, okay, this is what the project is, this is what they want you to do. And I was floored, absolutely floored. And who, um, so obviously you found, I mean, it must be, as you said, completely florid to find out you are in the sequel to what is one of the biggest, you know, comedy films of all time. Comedy right. sci-fi films ever. 
And I was a fan. Yeah. I was was a fan. Like everybody else, I was a Ghostbusters fan myself. So I was kind of as I was geeking out like any other fan would geek out, but even more because now I got to be part of the franchise. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Now, one of the things that I've come to learn is that everybody looks at Slimer (laughs) as a character and goes, it's got to be CGI or it's got to be some, you know, effect that's been mm-hmm. done but of course it's not is it it was it it's a puppet it's puppetry so it's an effect but it's not this sort of amazing computerized visual thing that people expect i think in the first film for one of the tricks when it goes around uh, the the slimer goes around a uh, a light you know the chandelier it was like a right. thing that had been illuminated yep Yep. It, uh, the, the difference between the Slimer and Ghostbusters 1, it was more like a puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was designed a little differently in Ghostbusters 2. It was a complete, I was, it was a full body costume. I was inside it completely. Um, and, and basically worked with six puppeteers that controlled like the eyes, the, the lips, uh, the nose, the eyebrows, everything could move. So they can make expressions with it. So it was a little, it was a little bit different of a process. But going into it, I was a little, I was a little intimidated because I knew Slimer was such a loved character. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> I wanted to go in and and keep an open mind, do what they wanted me to do, and do the best job that I could do for them. Um, and so yeah, it's big shoes to fill going in. I was like, wow, I just want to, I want the fans to not be disappointed. I want them to like the character in Ghostbusters 2 as much as they did in Ghostbusters 1, the original. Well, I can safely say, speaking on behalf of, I think, everybody, Robbie, uh, Robbie you did not screw that up. You Thank did a, you so much. a wonderful much. job. A wonderful <laughs> job. I had some amazing people. That, it was a team, trust me. It was a team of, of Tim Lawrence, who was directing me on set. It was like six puppeteers who were incredible costumers um people uh it was like probably a team of 12 or 14 people core people that made that happen um and i was so lucky to be a part of it and to be working with these these people um i kind of had it was a crash course in okay you know of of being an actor on a very professional set and learning quick my experience was mostly theater up to that point when I did when I did Ghostbusters too, so it was um, a big learning curve for me, and they were incredible with me, like taking the time and working with me and making sure that everything was perfect before we shot it. So um, it was a it was a great and amazing experience. It really was. And what did you find was the biggest complexity of the Slimer costume? I think we did like almost five or six weeks of rehearsal before we actually shot because not only did I have to be doing the right thing, the puppeteers had to be doing the right thing along with me. So probably the biggest complexity was make, like getting all of us on the same page, making it look good at the same time. Um, but by the time we got on set, the six weeks of rehearsal paid off. Um, we would rehearse and they'd have a camera um on it so I could watch it after so I could see because being inside the costume you can't really see what's going on mm-hmm. very well so the camera would allow me to watch rehearsals after and say oh okay so when I do this this is what it looks like and it would help me kind of learn how much to do how much not to do and and to kind of know what looks good and what didn't 
It's it's interesting what you're saying about knowing exactly what you've done and what you've not done. Because I once heard an interview with Mark Hamill where he talked about when he got the job of voicing the Joker on the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. And he said he said the terrifying thing is that you find that you've got the job and then they go right, we want to reproduce exactly what you did at the audition. And you're thinking, I don't even know what I did at the audition. Right, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so. With regard to Ghostbusters 2, do you mm-hmm. see any? Do you still have contact with people from that? Uh, do you have any fond memories of the um, of working on the film? Oh yeah, I keep in touch with Tim Lawrence, who was the person who um, who directed me on was the supervisor on set. Um, there's a, a person his name is Jim Fi who did the Statue of Liberty, um, the Ghost Jogger. He played a couple of of different of different things at ILM and we were kind of going through the same thing at the same time. So we, we bonded together pretty well. Um, I certainly keep in touch with him, but the funny part is a lot of people ask me, Oh, how was it to work with the cast? <laughs> I was like alone. Um, well, not alone, but with the, with the oh. special effects crew, I was with the special effects crew, not the cast. The cast had already done their job. They had already shot what they needed to shot pretty much. in a lot of it was in New York. And then we had to fit our special effect into what they had already shot in New York. So the scenes that I had with Rick Moranis, mm-hmm. I have, that's one, one of the cast members I have not met, but all of my stuff was with him on wow. camera. And, but I, I, so I didn't really have to meet anybody because it was really, all my work was kind of solo uh, without them to, to fit it into what they had already did. But it, you know, with events and, conventions and just through time I've, I've i've been able to meet a lot of the cast members and 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 delightful to tell you like everybody that i've met they're they're all pretty special and pretty wonderful brilliant that that's good to know because you unfortunately you stories of people who have one public one, one image um to the public but the the reality of their mm-hmm. images unfortunately far removed from it well, it's good to hear that you've all had one. You know, you've had very nice experiences with these people. So, everybody's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's been amazing that I've met. I've, I'm. They say don't meet your heroes, but mm-hmm. um, in a lot of these cases, it was okay because they're they're just what you thought that they should be. So that's good. That is good. I'm intrigued though with Slimer. <laughs> one, one of the one of the things I I uh, I I want to ask is. Sure. What do you think Slimer was? Do you have you know, a theory? I, 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 what I was told on the set, and it's so funny, I've heard rumors, and this is rumors, that it was kind of supposed to emulate John Belushi. <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and, and nobody ever came out to me ever, I promise you, on the set and said, okay, be John Belushi. But I did watch Animal House. I watched a few... And some SNL with with John Belushi, just to kind of look at his energy. Um, and so I kind of I, I I tried. He has such a John Belushi had such a great like um, abandon of his physicality. He could just be as crazy as ever, and and um, he had a lot of joy uh, mm-hmm. on camera when he was acting. And I that's what I tried to pick up on. Nobody ever told me go 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 be John Belushi, but I kind of. Through rumors, I thought, you know what? It might be good to just kind of look at his energy and just kind of pick up on that, which is what I did. But, um, yeah, yeah. But as far as – I always think um, 
I don't know. You know, as far as like who he was before he died, is that what you're asking? What you think uh, Slimer was? Oh yeah, I mean, I you, think... you've kind of you've covered both. You've given me, the, I mean, the blue sheet. <laughs> I think you have blown my mind with the blue sheet one to a degree <laughs> because I will never watch the film. <laughs> I think in the same way. And you know what? It makes sense. It may it it, it it makes sense to see watching the original Ghostbusters that they might have been thinking of his energy when when they kind of thought of of Slimer. But um, and I remember on the set when we were working, the only thing they would tell me, I remember the 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 director of photography coming up, like, you know, be be more boyish, be more butch, just be a butch. Don't you know? I can tell that you've had dancing experience. Be more butch. And so I just had to like really concentrate on not making anything feminine that I was mm. doing, like just being, just, just being very, um, try, not, not looking like a dancer or being like, I'm a girl. I just try to like mm-hmm. focus on that. Um, but it's funny. No, I hadn't really thought of like what he was before he died. I just, I, I, I just thought of him as a, um, a insatiable eater who um <laughs> who um maybe was like a a a food aficionado when 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 he was alive and 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 died and just uh and just is a, has great abandon of energy and doesn't care what anyone else thinks and does what he wants to do that's breaking news from Robin Shelby there <laughs> on the theory of what slime could have been so maybe he's a restaurant critic in a previous life <laughs> he could have been a restaurant aficionado or a critic yes um, and and, and I, I'm thinking he he loved his uh, wine and champagne, mm-hmm. um, and and loved the good food and even the hot dogs now and then. <laughs> but yeah, I th- I think I think with Slimer, the only thing I tried to focus on with him as a character is just reckless abandon of energy. Just um, it's funny because in Ghostbusters two, if you notice, he was a little more kind, not mm, as yes. Yes. Not as as scary, maybe as as the original one in, in, Ghost, in the original Ghostbusters. And I don't know how much um, the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, had in 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 kind of uh, molding that for for Ghostbusters too. But um, he wasn't such a a bad guy in Ghostbusters mm. too. I think he's almost tried to help Lewis out. Um, in 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 two. So I kind of played him with a little more heart, maybe. A little more yeah. empathy and not so scary as, as the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, because he was more almost like Lewis's buddy, wasn't he? In the, in the, he in the yes. Scene. There was a scene that was cut out. Um, there's a scene, everybody knows the scene where he picks Lewis up on the bus. But you don't see him drop Lewis off. And there's a scene where Slimer is letting him off the bus and he gets off the bus with Lewis and wants to go with him. And And Lewis tells him, um, wow, with those arms, you'd be a great bowler. But, um, but you know, I, I don't want you to go with me now. I'm so sorry. And then he kisses Lewis. He licks him on the side <laughs> of the face, and then he flies off. So it, that got cut, but it kind of explains a little more intent of like why Slimer was doing what he was doing. He kind of wanted to be a helper to 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 Lewis, I believe, and and that's why he picked him up. He's like, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to go with you, and try and try and save the day with you. Um, but that scene, ultimately, for time, it was it was cut. And I, I so wish I could see that all put together because it was um, the day that we shot that. It was so much fun and everybody was so excited. Um, 
the, the puppeteers were on top of it. Everybody did such a great job that day. Um, and that's one, that's one scene that I regret did not make it into the film. Cause I think it would have been a lot of fun to see. It does sound like a very good scene. It really does. And obviously with the anniversary coming up, you never know. They might tidy it up and put it back into a, a release. Oh. oh, that would be so great. I don't even know like what they've done with the original footage and would they drag it out from storage and have somebody work on it? Cause they, they never even, um, I don't think they even did the special effects and put it together. Like with what we did with what they shot in New York. Um, there are there are clips online of of Lewis of the scene that I'm talking about getting off the bus, um, without without what we did put into it yet. But if they if they would ever put that together, I would be so excited to see it because I, I think it's 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 a lot of fun. I think the fans would love it too, to be honest. Oh no, I definitely I definitely think we it'd be something we'd really go for. We need to start some sort of online petition. <laughs> I'll sign it. I'll sign it. Now, could you settle uh, uh, an argument for me that I've never been able to get an answer to with regard to Ghostbusters 2? I'm so sorry? I was wondering if you could settle an argument. Sure, sure. That I've I've never been able to get an answer to on Ghostbusters 2. Okay, okay. Which is, at the end of the film, in the original theatrical release, Mm because no one seems to be able to answer this, there was a rumour that, as in the first film, that Slimer does comes from behind the Statue of Liberty in the seat and flies into the camera. Do you ever remember seeing that? And this is in the the original, right? In in number two, in the the sequel, sorry. I have not not seen that put together, no. Um, But we shot so... I can't even... I can't say it didn't... It it wasn't put together. It could have been. We shot so much stuff in, in the... In a couple of weeks that we were shooting at ILM, they easily could have taken any of the shots and made him fly around from the Statue of Liberty. So it's possible it exists. I have never seen it um, myself, and I no one's told me that they, they worked on it and put it together. So I, unfortunately, I'm not able to settle that argument for you. Maybe I wish I just, could. Maybe it's just one of those IMDb myths. It could be. It could be. And like I said, it's possible that that's what they were thinking of doing. But um, I have never seen a final version of that or, um, or, or it put together. So I'm, I'm really not sure. That, that would be a question for a few of the people that were in the editing process, if that actually is true, that it was put together. If anyone listening to this thinks they can answer <laughs> that question, please tweet me. And I might be able to, like the, the person who I worked with, um, who, who, hired me on Willow and then called me in for Ghostbusters. I could actually write him and ask him. Um, I, I could, I could, he'd be a source that I could go to, to get that answer. So if I have any updates, I'll let you know. Thank you, Robin. Thank of you, course. Thank you. Of course. Now you obviously, we, we discussed earlier the fact that you'd gone into Willow and you were pretty mm-hmm. much doing stunt work in Willow mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. your first sort of big thing. Now, but I also understand that you've been involved in other stunt work when you worked on the, I think it was the 1994 release of Little Rascals and the 95 release of The Fantastics. Yes. Have I got that right? That's perfectly, that's correct, yeah. And what, what was that like? What work were you doing in relation to those films? The Little Rascals, I was a stunt double for Spanky. What? <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I was. Um 
And it was a blast. It was a go-kart race in the movie. Yeah. Um, And I was, I was spanky in the go-kart essentially. Um, They're they're like, Hey, you know, we need somebody. Are you interested? Do you want to do it? I'm like, of course, why not? And, um, and it, that was so much fun. That, that was a blast. Um, Penelope Ann Spears directed. She was amazing with the kids. Um, she, she was, she's brilliant. I think she's, she's great. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's what I did. I was in the cart for that. And for the fantastics, there's a shot of, there's a character, Louisa, the female lead who gets shot out of a cannon. And that was me hooked onto wires being shot out of a cannon and going about 150 feet in the air. It sounds a tad uh, more dangerous than um, being in a, uh, <laughs> a race. Yeah. And, uh, that, that actually, I didn't mind. Like I said, it was all harnessed. And I was hooked up. I was on a wire. I, that wasn't so bad. I'm not, a, I respect stunt people so much. And what they do is absolutely incredible. I'm an actress and I, my heart is just not into, you have to have a heart for it and have a passion for it. Um, and, the stunt work just wasn't, I realized it wasn't for me. It just was not for me. It wasn't something that, that I should be doing. So um, what's interesting is like in, in the fantastics, there's the shot of the cannon, but it's also hanging from, she's hanging from a bridge. Um, and, and I'm, and, and, and I'm hanging again, a wire going down through my arm, down my back. And the wire was cutting into my back and I was bleeding. Um, and, and I, 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 it's so funny because like, but that's kind of, that's kind of what you're paid to be doing. You're kind of paid to be possibly taking the hit, you know, physically for, for an, for an actor who they shouldn't be in that situation. And I remember like, I, I, it obviously was hurting a little bit and I showed the stunt coordinator and, and, and basically he's like, you know, look, let's keep going. You got to suck it up. And which is kind of true. He's like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And I really, and then I ended up with like welts on my back, um, for, for weeks. And I just realized, you know what, this is, this is, this should be left for people that are real passioned stunt people. And that's not me. So, so that's kind of why I, I haven't done a whole lot of stunts after that. Um, I just kind of realized what I should be sticking to. And that wasn't what it was, what I should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> where you describe it, it's like you will bleed for your art and, and you know in that like i said that's you're being you're being hired to like you're being hired to like make sure that the the person who's the actor does not end up getting hurt which the, i i get it mm. and and there's some people that just are so good oh my god they're brilliant um they're so good at what they do and and i i so admire that i just it's just not what i what i'm in love with it's just not what i what I'm and not, not to mention, like I said, I'm, I'm a total freak about heights, which is not good if you're a stunt person, because if you're a stunt person, you have to be OK with heights. And that's just not me. So all in all, I, I took a look back and I'm like, you know what? This is I need to leave this to the people who are truly talented and good at what they do in stunts. I can see why you would do that. It's a bit like bleeding, hurting myself in heights. Right. Hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and I felt like I, you know, I, I didn't want to be, a you don't want to be that, that person who's a whiner on the set, but when, when you're bleeding, it's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, this is, this just isn't for me. I think I'm going to stick to what I'm, what I'm really, what I really love, which is acting. So, but yeah, but the, 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 
the movies were fantastic. Little Rascals is a lot of fun if you haven't seen it. Um, kind of a crazy, a crazy little film. And the Fantastics that that um, that that really didn't get much of a release, did it? No, um, no. It, it 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 didn't. Um, but again, again, an education. Yeah, I, I, t- I try to take something from everything, whether it's good or bad. I try to take a little something from every project that I've worked on. And I've uh, in, in both little rascals and the fantastics, I walked away with more knowledge of, of what I love to do and what I'm good at and what not to do in the future. I mean, that's, it's very enriching to be able to do that, isn't it? To be able to take it is. I was once asked the question of if you could change anything in your life, the things you would change. And wow. yes, you know, for anybody, there are things in your life you would change. But I also have to look at my experiences and things, good and bad, that have happened. And I always mm-hmm. have to honestly say that it's probably best to change nothing because the experiences you've had have led yep. you to where you are. And you can you, you could never say... Would you be where you are? Would you be experiencing the good things you're experiencing if you had not gone down certain paths or had certain things happen to you right. uh, that have influenced what you've done? So I I can totally understand where you're coming from on that. I agree. I wouldn't change a thing. Even I, I don't have any regrets with choices that I've made because, like you said, it makes up who you are. Um, and I wouldn't be who I am at this moment without going through what I went through, good and bad, in mm-hmm. the past. So. You're right. You you gotta you gotta take it all and learn from it, and you become better from it. And don't look back and don't don't regret. Hopefully. Now, I found out um, that you worked on a TV show that I I it, it may sound strange for somebody of my age having watched <laughs> this, but you were on you you were involved uh, in both acting and other areas on Sybil. Yes. The TV mm-hmm. series of Sybil Shepherds. Yes. Um, what can can you? Tell me something about that, please. Tell the, the, the listeners. Yeah, I was a dialogue coach, which uh, for those who don't know what a dialogue coach does, um, a dialogue coach on a sitcom is somebody who will run lines with the actors to make sure that they're ready to go on the day. Things happen really quickly on the sitcom. Lines change daily. Um, and your job is just basically to be there and make sure, like, okay, um, if somebody needs to rehearse a scene before – they're getting ready to shoot it, that you're there to run it with them and make sure that they've had time to do it. And a lot of my work was with Christine Bransky, who I admire so much. She can make a phone book funny. She's, um, I think she's wonderful. I think she's, she's absolutely wonderful. She's, she's truly brilliant. And again, I, you know, is dialogue coaching my passion? No, but did I learn something working with, people like christine bransky yes absolutely um she's she's amazing she's absolutely incredible um i love her speaking voice i just love her voice she's so talented she can do it all she's done theater and she can sing and and move and and act an amazing actress she's so wonderful um and just getting getting to read lines with her um on set was an education i mean seriously it was how many people Get to, get to have that time with an actress like that to to kind of learn from and watch and and observe and she's in, um, incredible. And did you have any involvement with Sybil Shepherd at all? You know, I mainly ran with the other actors. Um, 
like Dee Pfeiffer, who is um, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister, yeah, was on the show. Sister, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I ran. I I, I didn't run. Uh, she had her own. Sybil had kind of her own staff for a lot of the stuff. So I didn't really do a lot of work or running lines with her. Nice. Um, so to be honest, um, obviously I worked with her on a daily basis, but not one on one a lot. Yeah. And you also. Uh... You got through the the, um, the the line reading for people, but as I understand that you also had a part on the show. I did. I did. One week they said, hey, you know, we're going to a veterinary clinic in the show and we want you to play the receptionist. Do you want to do it? I'm like, of course. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> and um, and I got to do a scene, a short scene with Sybil on the show. And um, so they I'm very grateful that they allowed me to do that because that was that was a lot of fun. It's, it's a prize, like, would you like to do this? Of course I'd like to do this. Yes, yes. It's like, <laughs> and I'm, I'll, I'll kind of jump ahead just a little bit. Um, with uh, Ghostbusters 2016, Answer the Call, mm-hmm. um, I I got a t- speak about, do you want to do this? I got a tweet from Paul Feig. Um, and it was like two Christmases ago. And he's like, you know, I kind of have a, a little something in mind Um it's a small part. I, I'm sorry it's small, but are, are you interested? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, how can I say no? I mean, the fact that I didn't even know Paul Feig and he reached out to me, which blew my mind. Um, but of course, of course, I'm interested. Yes, I, I, I'll, I'll jump in the chance to work with you on this. Absolutely. So I said yes. And who wouldn't? I mean, that's- that exactly, exactly. Paul Feig is a comic genius of a director. He really is. And of course I'm going to say, and, 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 and I obviously a huge love for the Ghostbusters franchise and to be even a, a minute part of the, the answer to the call was a, a, a pleasure. I, I, it was an honor for him to even reach out like that. So there's no way I was going to say no. Now, I, I've seen this film numerous times. I'm going to have to admit, Robin, I wasn't aware it was you until later <laughs> on. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yes. Just, as I said earlier on, to say you have been part of all these different films that have had, <laughs> have had impacts upon, you know, cinema and, and film history, it's just, it's the understatement. You you are what we would call an all-round threat. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. So you're in Beverly Hills Cop 3, and yes. you played Floyd Fox. I did. He goes into a, a um, uh, what should we call it? He goes into a, a theme park, sorry. He goes into a theme park, and he ends up going onto a stage with a show, a character show. And he's dancing around with the characters. Well, I'm one of the characters he bounces into. Um, and, and and I'm a, a Floyd Fox, and, and that was so much fun. Oh my god, uh, that that was a blast. And at the end, they they dedicate a character to him, um, a Floyd Fox. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Axel Fox, uh, which is <laughs> which is based on his character. And I got to play Axel Fox at the end. That they that they dedicate the character to Axel Foley at the end. So it was uh, it was it was a blast. It was so much fun. It was working at Great America. It was shot at Great America in Northern California, Santa Clara, mm-hmm. California. And um, it was, uh, I think we were there for about 
two weeks. And it was just so, and my husband worked on it as well. Um, he actually, he played um, Okie Dokie. Um, which, which, <laughs> I which remember Okie Dokie. Okie Dokie. And he was actually, there's a scene, he wasn't a Ridge, there's another person who played Okie Dokie, but then they had to go back and they were going to put um, Eddie Murphy in the Okie Dokie costume. He did not want to do that. So they, they, my husband is the same height and build as, as Eddie Murphy. So they put him in the costume. So Eddie and he Murphy was, didn't want to do that. Didn't want to go into the Okie Dokie costume. They basically, they've got someone to go into the costume while he was supposed to be talking in costume. Right. And, and, and that was my husband who, who actually got to do that. So, um, so we, we both kind of got to work on that, that film and, you know, I, I don't know how popular Beverly Hills Cop 3 actually is with a lot of people, but there's some, there's some fun, there's some fun moments. There, there really are. There's some fun moments in the film. And I, I, I think Eddie Murphy is, is always funny. So I, I enjoyed him in it for sure. So if I can take you back to obviously the, the, the starting process of Beverly Hills Cop 3, how did mm-hmm. you find out about that and how did you, audition in fact if i could just go back one other step yeah. when it came to sybil how did you find out about sybil for the line reading getting into that um i basically knew the assistant director and he asked me if i was interested in doing some dialogue coaching and and ended up just being brought in to to do it and and like i said as far as being on the show i was working as a as a dialogue coach and they just said hey we'd like to have you do this if that's okay if you want to do it so it's, it's just basically, you know, this business is a lot of proving yourself, doing a good job, and then having connections that remember that you're dependable and you can do a good job and they call you back in to work again. So it's, it's, it's all about, it, it is about what you know, but also about who knows what you can do. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and another piece of advice as far as, um, a new actor starting out is always be kind because you're, you never want to close a bridge because you never know what that person might be working on two months from now, five months from now, six months from now. You always want to be that actor that people want to be around. Well, I think that's some very good advice, Robin. I think to be fair, that's something we could live by in any area of life. In any industry. Yeah, you're right. That would go for any business. It's like people want to hire and be around people that they want to spend a little time with and and be around people that are positive and good people and and they know that they can depend on them. And that's what you want to be, you know, whether you're an actor or not. You're right. Any industry. That's that's true. I mean, I was talking to an actor who no names will be mentioned, but who was discussing with me the experience of working with somebody who is a very very famous actor and it 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 adds perfectly to what you said the the thing of treat people how you'd want to be treated um, absolutely because, yeah the, the the story i heard and again i don't will not be mentioning names but it certainly cast the the and it goes back to what we said about the the way somebody's perceived and the way they treat people the perception mm-hmm. you would have of this person unfortunately when you hear the reality doesn't really meet in the, you know, they don't meet in the middle. So yeah, you're right. Always be kind. Always be nice to people. And Absolutely. Importantly, don't turn don't don't turn things down. So you never know what's going to happen. 
Exactly. Like uh, I go back to the whole Willow thing. What if I had just called in sick and not shown up? You know, it's like things could be quite a bit, a bit different. Um, you know, you always got to try and build those bridges and like I said, be like, be kind, be positive and be dependable. So people will call on you again. Absolutely. So when you were on Beverly Hills Cop 3, did you mm-hmm. have any interaction with Eddie Murphy yourself? I did. I did. I mean, briefly, yes, I did. I um, he, When I was shooting the – yeah, he was on the set with me, actually, while yes. we were shooting um, the, the – The dance scene. The dancing scene, exactly. So, um, yeah, so he, I didn't – he was very busy – very popular. He had his own um, team of people there. So it's not like we sat and we chatted, mm-hmm. but um, we definitely um, dealt with each other on the set while, while we were bumping into each other on, on a, on the dance scene. And then in the Axel, the Axel Foley, um, the Fox where, where it turned into what, what they dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. He was, he was on set with me as well. Um, but that, that was almost toward the height of his, um, the height of, of, of his popularity too. Mm. It's like he, he was ex- extremely, you know, a hot commodity at, at, at that point. And I think he's, I think he's becoming, you know, he's, he's, I think he's working his way back into um, people realizing how talented he really is. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I didn't, let's put it this way. We, we definitely did not sit and chat, but I did, I did get to, to work with him during, during the time that I was on the set. And he's always, as, as everybody knows, he's always hysterically funny. He's always funny. Well, we've, we've had Axel Fox, so let's hope when they make a number four, they <laughs> have some space to have Axel Fox back in that. Uh, yes. Working with him. Yes. I, I, I don't know if there are any talks about another Beverly Hills Cop, but I, hey, I'll, if, if they want me there, I'm that, that would be amazing. I, I would, I would don the Fox costume again. Absolutely. Well, I, there are always rumors that they are looking to do another one. So I'd say let's get Axel Fox back in it. Cause come on, Axel Foley needs a mascot. I think so. I think so. Absolutely. So we move on to, to discuss now Ghostbusters answer the call. Yes. And what an experience it must have been, as you were, as you uh, you mentioned it earlier, to simply mm-hmm. get a message from Paul Feig out the blue. Yeah, it was unexpected, and um, I couldn't have been more excited. It was it was pretty awesome, and he was almost apologetic for like, you know, it's it's kind of it's a, it's a small thing, but I you know I'd I'd love you to do it. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why are you apologizing to me? Just the fact that you thought thought of me was pretty awesome but yeah it, I, I was hugely honored that that I was able to be a, a, a part of it I really was and I realized so, I'm like one of the only actors who played my own love interest <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I played Slimer and his girlfriend I, I think I need therapy I'm not sure <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll talk it out later Robin we'll... <laughs> I okay I'll, I'll take you up on that <laughs> so you get the email that says that from from uh, Paul Feigen, he's saying, "Would you be interested in playing this part?" And mm-hmm. you obviously uh, have said yes. Yes. 
what was the what what I'm intrigued to know what happened after that. What what was the whole sort of process? It was in a recording studio. It wasn't instead of four weeks of rehearsal and two weeks of shooting. It was a day in uh, in an air conditioned recording studio. So it it was physically it's a completely different job, but just as much fun for that day. I had a blast. I had so much fun. Um, I basically watched um, what they had put together for the for the Slimer, Miss Slimer scenes mm-hmm. and and just tr- uh, tried to come up with some ideas with what she'd be doing with her voice and vocally and then just went for it. We just we just did some takes for a day and hopefully I hope they're happy with what they got. But it was so much fun. If, if you could have seen me in that recording studio, you would you would like probably put me in a in a padded cell it was it was it was pretty funny screaming and hollering and oh my lord it was it was pretty funny i was going ballistic in this recording studio but um i wouldn't have it any other way it was fun well it certainly worked i mean i've uh, myself i've done bits of voice work um for things myself but i've never had to I think go to quite those sort of uh, levels <laughs> of doing <laughs> It's all part of the experience, isn't it? It's about giving it, the people what they want. It is. It is. And, and of course, you know, you see things, you want to try something a little different and see if, see if Paul would like it. But um, it was – and when I was looking at it, it wasn't what you see in the final version. It was almost kind of a, a cartoony sketched version. They weren't, it wasn't completely done yet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got to see, like, a, a very primal – like, just – it was – in its infancy stage when I, when I saw it. So, um, they were still working on this, on the effects of it. But I, I, like I said, I was truly like so honored just to have him reach out like that. So when you said it was an infancy stage, was it an infancy stage in the design of the character or an infancy stage in the, 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 where the film was up to on the, the sort of dailies you were being shown? Exactly. Infancy on the dailies. Um, they pretty much knew what they wanted the two of them to be doing in the, in the car. Um, so that pretty much was done. Um, it was the infancy as far as what it looked like, um, and how far they had gone. They weren't finished. It was, I, I ended up in January, like the second week in January, um, doing the voice and it didn't come out till that summer mm-hmm. till, till like June, I think beginning of June. So, um, so it, they still were working on it in January. It still looked like they were the special effects people were hard at work getting the final version of what of what everything was supposed to to look like. And you obviously got to um, attend the, the premiere of the film. Um, I did. I did. Can you could you tell me a bit more about that? What it was? Oh my gosh! It was surreal. Like, what is surreal. it like being at a film premiere? Well, it was surreal because um, any actor knows that uh, doing anything at the the Chinese theater is iconic in itself. And the fact that I got to walk the green, they called it, it was the green carpet, not the red carpet. (laughs) Um, And I, I got to walk the green carpet at the Chinese theater and be interviewed by the press walking, walking down the way. And it was just almost like an out of body experience. It was really, it was crazy. I'll probably never experience anything like that again. I hope I do, but like, if, I even if so. I don't, 
<laughs> I wouldn't I'd say have... that, Robin. I think you'll, I think you you have a uh, you have a very good chance of being doing oh, other things like that. Don't. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. But I'm I'm truly grateful. That experience was like none other that I've ever had in my life. It was it was pretty crazy. A little nerve wracking. I woke up that that morning with knots in my stomach. Um. I, I was so nervous because I'm like, what if I trip? What if I, you know, it was like all these things go through your head, but the Ghostbusters fans had, they had bleachers set up and there's probably, I'm guessing over 200 Ghostbusters fans that they had sitting in the bleachers. The minute I set out on the red carpet, they started chanting my name and, and that blew me. I was almost in tears. I mean, it was, it was just incredible. And from that moment on, I was okay. I was just like, all right, you know, I can do this. I, I can get through this. And I was so grateful that they were so, so sweet and so supportive. Well, the thing is, Robin, they are, I mean, I'm surprised you think it's a surprise they would chant your name because you have been involved in the creation of an iconic character. You played a part <laughs> in bringing that to life. Oh, thank you. They've, they've, they've given so much to me as far as support and um, just the fact that they – I think they might have picked up on the fact that I was like it was a, a, a nerve-wracking experience being on the on the green carpet, but they were they were instrumental in like calming me down and saying, "Okay, I have support. I got this. I can do this." It was pretty cool. So it sounds like you've had a very positive experience with the Ghostbusters fan base. Then nothing, nothing but yeah. They've 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 a lot of people said, "Wow, you give so much." Well, the the, the truth is, they give twice as much as what I give out. Um, they're, they're, they're also giving and amazing. And what I love about them too, as far as the fans go, they, they have charities in their own cities that they all donate to and work mm. for, whether it be children's hospitals or cancer research or whatever is in their communities. So they're taking kind of a fandom and they're doing something so amazingly positive with it and, and turning it into something good for other people. I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing thing to see that. It's something that I only recently became aware of over the past two years where I've become more uh, active in attending sort of things that are sort of uh, film and sci-fi related, but certainly Ghostbusters events. And you see, it's amazing to see across the the world where you see right. people who have set up Ghostbusters, um, well, well the word may not be right, but say fraternities of Ghostbusters for, for mm -hmm. different cities across, yeah. you know, across the world. Um, you know, I was at an event in Sheffield in, uh, in Yorkshire where the um, they were running a, a, a Ghostbusters screening event, and it was raising money for hospice for for, for children's hospice. So I love yeah, it. It's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see those sort of things happening, those things going on. And I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of them that they do that. I'm proud that they're they're taking they're banding together to something that they all love so much and. And giving back to the to the communities that they're that they're in, I think it's so great. It is, and you see the the, the extremely positive impact it has for certainly for young children. It's, it's brilliant, mm -hmm. it's wonderful, wonderful. Um, I have to ask when it comes to answer to Ghostbusters answer the call. Um, mm -hmm. With regard to the cast, um, do you, have you? Did you have, because obviously you were saying you were sort of locked, not locked, but you are stuck in like an air-conditioned studio yeah. recording lines. Yeah. What, what involvement did you have with the other members of the cast? Well, I, I got to meet one of my idols at the premiere, um, Kate McKinnon, who I 
absolutely I've adored her on SNL. I think she's, she's yeah, brilliant. Phenomenal. She's truly phenomenal. A, she's a brilliant talent and I was so nervous getting to meet her because it's like meeting, like I said, meeting your idol. And again, she proved that meeting your idols aren't always a bad thing. Um, she she was so sweet and so nice and just exactly what you would want in, you know, a person that you'd look up to to be. She was just funny and, and, and kind and, and no attitude whatsoever. She was great. And um, I was so grateful to get to meet her. Um yeah, I just that that was probably the the highlight of my evening. Um, I've kept in touch um, for years now with Ernie Hudson. We're 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 good friends. He he's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, again, um, with his fans, I've learned so much watching him. He's he's so um, giving and appreciative of people that that come out to meet him at at conventions. He takes his time and listens and talks, and um, he's. He's great. He's he's incredible, and, and he's definitely someone that I'm really proud to say he's a friend. Yeah, he's a, he's. A, I've met him myself. He's a really nice man, and I was really touched by that because in life you do you know, unfortunately meet people who do not give time to people and not kind of help with people. But to see someone mm-hmm. like Ernie, who, and it's the same thing with with Jen, and it's the same thing with yourself doing this, who will give up the time to talk to people and spend time. Um, with them and listen to them. It's just, yeah, it's great. And he, but Ernie's a really nice man. He's, He's very, just down to earth. You know, yeah. Considering when I met him, that he and Jen are probably surviving about three hours sleep, come off a plane, <laughs> and come straight <laughs> to a vent. I was incredibly impressed by them both. That was tough. Like when I did uh, the, I did a convention in Torquay, mm-hmm. and it's like a ten-hour flight, and I literally pretty much almost had to to get off. Um, to get off the the plane and and go work, yeah. Um, and it was it was it was so tough. Um, but again, you know, the, the fans make it really make it really simple to to just wake up and 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 be there. Uh, the the people in in the UK were were great. I want to go back. I absolutely want to go back. We've got to make it happen. We've got to find a way of making it happen. I want to be there. I want to be there. I'll I'll see what I can do. <laughs> we'll see what I can do. But it, it can it can be tough, like like especially when you're, you're talking about so many different time zones mm-hmm. um, that that you're crossing, and you have to be alert and awake. Um, I was really nervous that with the flight, and it was like a red eye flight. It was like through the night that I flew there. Um, it was it. I'm just glad that I was able to function. Um, but I, Ernie had to go through the same thing, and again, mm-hmm. he's. He's he's a pro. He's a total pro. Well, I remember the, the the you're speaking about sort of coming straight off a flight and going straight to an event. I remember I was speaking to to Jen and I said to her, um, I said, have you if you um, when did you get here? When did you land? Assuming she would have said, oh, I landed the day before and I've had time to you know get used to being in the UK. And she's like, today. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, today I've been here like an hour or so, and it was like the middle of winter. It was pitch black and freezing. Wow! But she, she turned turned up, turned up for the screening. You know, spoke to everybody. You know, I was very impressed, very impressed, very professional. Awesome. Anyway, not a very nice person. That's isn't that great to like to to meet somebody and realize that they're actually really good. Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful thing. 
I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever met any any uh, actors or actresses who haven't been been pleasant towards me. Good, but you, good. But when you, but when you meet someone who's in, who's generally very nice and pleasant and kind, yeah, it's great. It's great. Isn't it? It's great. So, out of interest, Robin, yes. we discuss ghosts. <laughs> okay. Have you, well, certainly we'll discuss ghost busting and ghosts. <laughs> have you have you in your own life had any sort of supernatural experiences? Do you believe in the paranormal and things I do. like that? A hundred percent, I do. Um, I'll tell you a story. This mostly happened to my mom when when we moved into a house in Illinois, um, a town called Woodstock, where a woman apparently had taken her life in the attic, and my mom went up in the attic and she tried to light a match in the center of the room and it would not stay lit. And then there were some evenings in her bedroom, there was a mirror um, facing across from her from the bed and she would see eyes in a mirror. And, but she, but she never was afraid. It wasn't like a, a menacing, frightening thing. It was almost like she, she kind of got the feeling like she was just there and friendly, not there to cause trouble. But, um, it, that was that was a, a really eerie story, but I do believe that that spirits can remain; that it it, it can happen. Um, I did have an experience. There's a a psychic, a, a clairvoyant called John Edwards. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, uh, it's not a name I'm familiar with. I'm afraid. He's he's a person who is, uh, claims to be a clairvoyant. He's here in the U.S. and he was on a radio station, and so I called in, and they took my phone call. And, and I talked to him and my, my brother had passed away in a motorcycle accident. Um, Sorry to you, that. No, thank you. Um, and he had mentioned by name, my brother's daughters and that he was, that my brother was thinking of them. Wow. And that, it, that freaked me out. That completely, he literally to their name, like said their name on the, on the air. And I was, I, that just, I didn't know what to do. Cause I, he didn't know me. I know I hadn't talked to anybody. He didn't know what my niece's names were. And that just kind of, I, I, I have to believe there are a lot of psychics that I think are not, they're, they're fake. They're not real, mm-hmm. but I think there are some people that have that ability. And I do believe in spirits and ghosts. Yes, I do. Holy cow. I'm the uh, psychic one. That was crazy. It was crazy. And I, I, you know, I was kind of like a, not a non-believer, not a believer. I was just kind of like on the fence. Like, let's see what he has to say. And he just, I got, I I just stopped dead in my tracks when he said that. I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was crazy. Wowzer. I mean, I've had, I've had a few experiences myself, but the, 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 the most sort of one that stands out for me is, um, We'll just go with many years ago when I was 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a few years ago now. Um, I, uh, my parents and I went to my uncle's, uh, my uncle and aunt's on Christmas Day. Okay. And he lives in a very old house. Very, very old house. Very big house. It's the old hall. It's the hall for the village he lives in. It's a very long building and very old. So you, <laughs> You go in, and he he's showing us around the house, and he's showing us various things. And in one room, they've been taking the plaster back to 
sort of the original stonework. Okay. And in the wall, they'd found a picture of a um, a widow. Um, oh. The age of it, you could tell it was a very old uh, picture because, or photograph, sorry, because it was on glass. Wow. And um, all my uncle would say, my uncle is a, well, so he's retired now, but he was a scientist, he was a chemist, a scientist, he was a man of, uh, of science and reason, not for flights of fancy. And all he said was that once, when he'd moved this, all things started, weird things started happening and going wrong. And the uh, business deals were falling through and other things. Mm-hmm. Won't go into extreme detail, but he said he put it back where, pretty much where it was. Everything went back to normal. So that in itself is it gets you wondering. But then he um, was showing us around the rest of the house, and he took mm-hmm. us to the furthest end of the house. Um, and we went into a, into one of the spare bedrooms. And okay. I'm stood and I'm telling them there's me and my mother and my father and my uncle. And my aunt comes and stands next to me. And I can see and I can feel that her stood next to me. And she, I can see her the colour of my eye. She's not particularly tall. And I can see they're dressed uh, in, she's wearing black. So I turned to my aunt to speak to her. Nobody was there. Wow. Nobody at all was there. So I was like, oh, okay, this is odd. So... <laughs> You know, later on, um, and we, we'd put our coats in that room. So later on, as we're about to leave, my father says, can you go and get the coats from the room? So I go upstairs, and as I said, this is a very long house. It's a very long hall leading to this room, and I'm stood, and I'm walking down the hall, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm feeling a bit tense about this one. <laughs> I'm thinking, come on, you know, you're 17, man up. Nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> I get to the door, I open it, and... I have never had this happen to me before or since. But the the easiest way to describe it is the sensation as if someone runs their finger from your tailbone all the way up your back. Oh my gosh. Wow. And the when we talk about the hackles, you know, the hair standing up on the on your neck. I've never felt it like this. This was like proper Neanderthal. Uh, response, I literally grabbed the coat and got right out of that room. I have never moved so quick. So I take it you're a believer as well then? I am. Okay. And the other other interesting thing that ties into that is the fact that my uncle and aunt, they have their bedroom at the furthest point from that room, which tells me something. But also, Mm -hmm. I remember the story being recounted to me that occasionally the door, because their living room uh, was... um, below that bedroom mm-hmm. and every once in a while the door would open and close and as i said my uncle's a man of science so he was trying to work out how this would happen and the thing is there's no logical earthly way this could happen because <laughs> the doors were on latches so wow. the door was opening itself and their theory is that it was there used to be a spiral staircase there and it was one of the monks from who used to be in the building. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. But I believe that. I do. I, I, mm. I, I'm, I'm a believer. I am. Wow. What a story. It That's certainly great. is. <laughs> On a more down-to-earth note. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is great. I can talk about this all day. It's awesome. On a more down-to-earth, less scary and alarming note. <laughs> 
Okay. You, you are you are currently working on. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it the second series of Two Cops in a Car? Yeah, we're working on the second season of, of season. Yes. Two, two Cops in a Car. Yes, where he's uh, my husband is is the writer, um, and he does an incredible job writing the show. He's very very funny guy, um, and it's basically about two inept, um, not so sharp or very smart cops that are on a stakeout. And it's so much fun to play. I, I, and my character pretty much has some anger issues and goes off on tangents for no reason. <laughs> and, and, and I love it. It's so much fun to do. It's so much fun to play. I've not had a chance to watch all of it, but I've seen some of it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. There's like no morals to the story. It's all just, it's all silly fun. That's all it is. Just silly fun. You've also had a very a very positive impact upon Sean because he keeps hiring you. <laughs> <laughs> he has to. He has no choice. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I come with the package. He doesn't have the ability to, to say no. <laughs> so, um, obviously, working with your husband, does he have mm-hmm. any – do you have any, any particular complexities, the fact you're working together? Uh, no. Not really. It's funny because I've had other people say, is that an issue? Like working with your husband on the series, it's really not because we, I I have to say our communication is pretty open and we're able to kind of talk about things. Even if we don't agree on things We're it's pretty easy to, to just open up and communicate and talk about it and work it out. He's, it's a perfect working relationship. I, I love it. We haven't really run into, any issues as far as like not being able to, to work it out and agree on mm. something at some point. I'm really lucky. He's, I'm very blessed. I've, I have a, a marriage that is, is pretty um, it's, it's very functional and we can communicate really well. And I think that translates really well to working together. We're able to, to communicate things on, on a working level as much as we are on a personal level. So it's it it's it's it works out really well. I think we end up with a really good product because of it too. Oh, I, I love it. it. It cracks me up. I think it's a brilliant. Thank people, you, people. If you can find it, watch it. You will not regret it. It's it's very funny. And uh, as Robin said, the uh, the how can I put it? The lack of impulse control in her character <laughs> is a uh, is something to some, certainly something to bear witness to. I am. Um, I it, it's 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 really therapeutic to do something because it's not me in real life at all, and just to be able to play I a character hope that. Not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But to be able to play something like that is just so much fun. Um, and and I, like I said, it's just a, an energy release. It's just great. And um and and I I love making people laugh anyway. So um the the series, my husband says I I write things that make me laugh. He's not really writing, okay, what will they think is funny? He writes what he thinks is funny. And normally that pretty much almost, it translates, if he thinks it's funny, it's, he's pretty spot on most of the time. And so um, it'll generally be funny to most people when they watch it. And he does a fantastic job writing it. So it's easy to easy to act it when you have a good script to and a fun script to, to work off of. And could I ask, how did you actually meet your husband? We met at Universal Studios. I was doing the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Uh, I was playing Rocket J Squirrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was dressed up as Rocky, 
I'm from Rocky and Boyle. You see, this is what I mean when I say Robin is a all round, good all rounder. <laughs> and this was this is like dancing in literally, not just like I was dancing in an outdoor show in at Universal Studios Hollywood in like 102 degree heat in the summer. Oh my um, word. And and it, it it wasn't easy, but it was it was a lot of fun. And again, you, I took something from that. It's like you learn something from every job you do, and that was learning how to just kind of pace yourself and and do six shows a day in 102 degree heat. And um, it, but I I got a husband out of it. How could that be so bad? <laughs> I, I, I met my husband. We were doing Halloween horror nights. Um, it was one of the first times that they had done Halloween Horror Nights at, at Universal. Mm-hmm. And we we basically met – originally we met in the acting class that, that Universal offered. And then we both were doing Halloween Horror Nights, and it was like the end of it. It's like Halloween night. And we both just kind of met up, talked, exchanged phone numbers, and we went out on a date a week later, and we've been inseparable since. That's that's brilliant. That's wonderful. Thank you. It's, I mean, you wouldn't expect it from a Halloween horror experience. Something so right? <laughs> and I was, I was a victim of Dracula, um, and he was a, a, a pinhead's victim. So, we, <laughs> yeah, we both, we both were pretty. We looked pretty gross, and um, but we still ended up saying, "Hey, let's go out." <laughs> so it all, it all worked out somehow. So through all the blood and guts. Yep, exactly, right? So Halloween is kind of it's got a little a special something for us because that's kind of when we when we actually met. That's that's I love that. That's a, that's <laughs> a brilliant story. Thank you. Could, could I ask when it comes to I've heard I've heard the rumor of people working in costumes, certainly like Disney mm-hmm. and places like that that you mm-hmm. cannot ever take the head off. No, of your no, costume. no. You cannot. You can't take that. Um, you can't appear in public. It has to be fully on your arms, the, the feet, everything. Like it's, they're pretty strict about it at Universal too, and I understand it because you want, you don't want that illusion to be broken for the guests that are there. But yeah, you you have to have everything intact, on, ready to go before you're ever seen by anyone in the public. That's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really 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 just straight with this question then. So if sure. you become if you become violently ill through the heat, yes, um, yes, what do you do? Um, well, it, it depends. Like I was in the show, um, you would probably have to walk off the stage, and and tell the stage manager, which we had one, to that you're sick and to stop the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that that thankfully never happened to me. And if you're like a character in the park. You have what they call escorts that take you out and watch, make sure that everything's okay. Um, you would you would let them know that you have to leave, that you know things aren't well and you have to go. So there there are ways out of it. If 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 something is wrong or you're ready, you feel like you have to pass out or you're going to throw up or whatever. There there are ways to kind of get yourself out of the situation and have somebody help you get out and and take your take the costume off and and feel better. Well, that's good to know because I think if it was me, I'd be uh, keeled out and passed out in about <laughs> sort of a five-minute period. There, there are times it's it's really, and I want any of your listeners that go to like a Disneyland or a Universal, be kind to the people who are in the character yes. costumes, please, um, because they're human beings inside that are trying to 
work hard to to give a good experience for everybody and you'd be surprised you you would be surprised what can happen in a park so just be kind show some love and uh and just be nice that's all i can say well that's that is that i agree with that and i have i i asked myself that sort of question with the previous job you used to have and the current one which is how would you want to be treated i always mm-hmm. ask yourself that question how would you want to be treated because 100 percent, yes I mean, Kevin Smith gave a great example. He talked about interaction with fans, which was the fact that he said, take the time out to talk to people. Take the time to sign with people. Mark Hamill said the same thing. Take the time to, because if you are nice to somebody, they'll tell the friends. If you Absolutely. were nice to them, if you're nice to them, they'll tell every single person and, and it will spread far quicker and the negativity will start. And I, anyone who knows me on Facebook, I'm I, I'm always an advocate of you know what exactly what you're saying. Treat people the way you would want to be treated, and if you live by that rule and just show a little empathy and a little um, caring and a little love to to the person you're dealing with, it's just going to make your day so much better and their day so much better. It's like why not? There's so much going on in the world today that isn't kind. It's like be the person that spreads the kindness around seriously i once heard it described as this and see if you agree be the person your dog thinks you are yes and i i posted that i strive to be the person my dog thinks i am um i i and and it's true it's like you know i i i it just boils down to just human kindness just if if you live by that rule everybody the whole world will be so much better and it's this sounds so kumbaya and, uh, you know, but, but it's true. It's like, if you just treat people with a little love and a little respect, it's like, they're going to treat you with that much more love and respect. And then it's going to spread around. This is going to, people will, will learn to be a little bit nicer to each other. We need that right now. Yes, we do. Yes, we, oh God, we so do. Yep. Yep. Um, I agree. So Robin, if you could have played any part previously, any part oh. at all in the in all the sort of films or the theater parts anything that you've seen and you thought i wish yeah. that had been mine or i could have done that so much better right what would it have been and why i think in theater there's a role that i've always wanted to play and i i i've always wanted to do peter pan in peter pan mm-hmm. um it it vocally it's it, it's just a character that I, that I think I would just be able to have so much fun with but that's always been one in theater that I've always wanted to do um in film well on Peter Pan as soon as you said it I can see it oh thank you I, no, I, I seriously mean it and I'm a I'm a very honest person I really can see it. and I think yeah that would work I can see why you would say that I can see that work perfectly and it's just such a, a a great character that I that I would love to do. Um, yeah, I would say that in film, that's a really good question. There's so many, there's so many films that I see a character in, that I would love to have been a part of. Um, wow, that that's that's a really tough question. And there's some characters that I've auditioned for that I regret. You know, it somehow it wasn't meant to be, but I, mm-hmm. I'm bummed that it. There's a um, there's a film called Mr. Holland's Opus. I know that film very well. Yeah. 
and, and and there's a character who plays the oboe as a young girl. She's redhead, straight hair. Um, and Is I auditioned. The, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah. I auditioned for that character and got called back for it and didn't get it. Um, and I kind of, I kind of regret it because it's such a beautiful film and it would have been amazing to do that. That, that would have been, and the cast are so incredibly talented mm-hmm. and actually that the, the film, the girl who got it was incredibly talented. I can't mm-hmm. take anything away from her. She was really great, but it's one of those characters that you're just like, wow, it would have been so much fun to do. But as we said earlier, life experiences, you never yep. know what would happen. Exactly. Exactly. And things are meant for a reason. I was meant to do other things at that time. So you just got to, you just say, okay, I did what I could and you move on. Hey, who knows, Robin, if you got that part, you might not have been here speaking to me. <laughs> it's true, right? You just never know. You never know what path you're, you're meant to take a certain path. And there's a reason why certain things don't happen. And I think that's another thing that I would I would say to any actor too. When things don't work out, there usually it's there's a reason you're meant to do something else, and you'll find out why later. Um, but just just accept it, okay? Like one, you know, the saying "one door closes, a window opens." Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of believe that it's like the other things happen, and you're supposed to be somewhere else at that time. So, in a similar sort of vein to uh, the the question I asked you previously. If you could Mm -hmm. work, or if you could work with anyone, any actor, who would it be and why? You know who I absolutely adore? And this is, I think America adores, I love Tom Hanks. Hey, who Um, doesn't love Tom Hanks? And he's he's absolutely brilliant. I, I think he can do, like, no wrong. So I think if I had the opportunity to work opposite someone of his caliber, um, I, I would be in heaven. He's amazing. He's incredible. Everybody, tweet Tom Hanks. <laughs> Please. <laughs> tweet him and tell him that he needs to work with Robin. Yes, I would. I would. That would be a dream come true. He's, he's incredible. Obviously, he, he's, and not to mention everything I've heard about him has been nothing but he's an amazingly nice human being. On top of it. So that's another reason why I want to work with him because he seems like he's as as good of a person as he is talented. Mm. And it is wonderful when you hear that about you know people in in your line of work that mm-hmm. they are as nice as, as you envision them being, or absolutely they, they are as you envision them being. Yeah, you never hear anybody say Tom Hanks well ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Everything I've heard is like he, he just couldn't be more amazing to work with. And to know, and uh, that that's just more enticing to say, I want to work with this kind of actor. And it's amazing with Tom Hanks that you almost now, in the sort of work he does now, forget that he was a comedic actor because he does so much amazing uh, dramatic work that you almost forget about the things like the Dragnets and the um, Joe versus the Volcanoes and uh, you know, Bachelor it- Party. He was in Bosom Buddies, which is uh, a series that he mm-hmm. did. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you could YouTube it and see some hysterically funny. Um, cross-dressing, and, uh, cross-dressing, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was just so just so brilliant and so honest and so funny. And I think I fell in love with him then. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like the, his first big breakthrough, I believe, was, was Bosom Buddies. That's how he kind of became known to 
to the public. But um, yeah, he's he kind of reminds me of a Robin Williams who can be as funny as he is touching and can make you laugh as easily as he can make you cry. Yeah. And that's and that's pretty cool. Very that yeah, I think you hit pretty amazing. It is an amazing talent. It's you know, wonderful guy. Well they both but Robin Williams was a wonderful person too, wasn't he? So Yeah, I've heard nothing yeah. he's one person I never got to meet, obviously, but um I've always heard from people that did know him what how how giving he was as a human being. Um Mm. and that 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 just warms my heart that he is so talented and people have nothing but amazing things to say about him. So I'm going to change it up just slightly, Robin, to ask questions on your musical tastes. What sort of music are you into? <laughs> wow. All kinds of music, to be honest. I, I listen to classical rock. Um, I, I'd have to say if I have to, I really love Bruno Mars. I think he's, he's great. I've always loved Billy Joel. Yeah, um, I've I really loved, like Billy Joel too. Always loved Elton John. Um, I, I'm into like the the true classic rock, um, and even some. I um, let's see. I love it. I love some Adele. I think she's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, I'm all over the place. I love a lot of Broadway uh, musicals. I, I a lot of soundtracks are in are in my 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 phone to listen to. Um, there's, there's a show, one of my favorites I listen to, it's a, it's called the book of Mormon. Um, I know the, I know the book of Mormon. Yeah. It is so funny. It is so funny. It's, it's, it's written by a combination of the people who wrote Avenue Q and South Park. Mm -hmm. And it it is so, so funny. and so un PC in every way. Um, like nobody is safe. I love it. It's just, it's, it's, it's great. Um, so I'm all over the place. I, I don't really have one genre that I just listen to. It's kind of all over. So if you look at the Book of Mormon, if you have a mixture of the Avenue Q guys and the South Park guys, what an explosive <laughs> combination. It's so funny. It's so funny. And again, like I go back to like Avenue Q is the show that I, I think is is quite brilliant. Um, mm. it's, it's just jaw-dropping the first time i saw it i didn't know the music and i was on the floor i was i was i was laughing so hard i couldn't even breathe um so i yeah i i like i said my musical taste is kind of eclectic and kind of different and all over the place if nobody if people listening do not know what avenue q is uh the best description i could give is sesame street for adults thank you exactly exactly don't take your five-year-old to go see Avenue Q, but no, it's, no. but it's, it's, but it's, <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it's, it's just brilliant. I love it. I love I'd, it. I'd agree. Definitely don't take your children to it. Uh, I'm thinking of the internet song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a couple of, 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 of moments in that show that really are not for kids. And they even say that like on their poster, mm. um, this is not meant for kids under 13. You know, it's like, don't, don't think about taking your small child to this because it's not really appropriate. Because <laughs> the puppets look so cute, right? You, yeah. you see the ad and the puppets are adorable. You're like, oh, I want to take my three-year-old. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. In in a similar vein, actually, there's a uh, film, I don't know if you will have seen it called, it actually <clears throat> has one of your uh, co-stars from Ghostbusters Answer the Call in it, uh, Melissa McCarthy, called The uh, Happy Time Murders. 
Yes, 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 yes. I haven't seen it, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Very good film. I, I, if you get a chance, Robin, I would recommend seeing that. That's okay. A, if you like something, it's it's not. Um, if you going back to the idea of uh, Sesame Street for adults, yeah, <laughs> I need okay. to say no more. Okay, I will put that in my my queue of things to to make sure I watch. Absolutely. So when you're going to see music, um, do you do you go to a lot of gigs? Do you go to things of that nature? To to, to go to music. Yeah, to go and see live music, you're saying like, so do you go to gigs yeah. to see people? You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't been to a concert in like a really long time. I've been kind of busy, so I haven't really, I, I, gotta be, I don't even remember the last music concert I went to. I do see plays and musicals um, mm-hmm. quite, quite a bit, but I haven't really, got to be honest, I have not seen, I can tell you what my, my first concert was. Okay, my yeah, first, please do. I, my first concert, get this, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> wow. And and he was with and Richard Marks. Um and this was like at Great America when I was working there. Um and yeah, Millie Vanilli when they didn't nobody nobody knew that they were lip syncing at that point mm. yet. So kind of kind of crazy. <laughs> Everything goes well until the tape breaks. Exactly, exactly. But Richard Marks was amazing. I yeah, mean, Richard I, Marks, he's good. Yeah, he, 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 he. Now I guess he's producing for other artists, but he, I thought yeah. he was so great in his own right. I thought he was really good. But yeah, that's a, my God, Robin. That's a hell of a combination, though, isn't it? Really, really, <laughs> Richard Marks. It is. It is. It is. I know. I know. Looking back at it, it's pretty funny that I actually saw them on stage, but <laughs> <laughs> they were good performers. They were like obviously they weren't singing, but they they were good at like. They were good showmen, I have to say. Yeah, they could shuck and jive and do all the dancing. So they there were you good. go. <laughs> exactly. So, Robin, can you now? I know this is a very difficult one, uh, difficult one to probably answer. But can you discuss any future projects with us? I just had an audition on Thursday, um, and I can't. The, the hard part about things that might happen is a lot of times you're not allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you literally sign. There's some auditions recently that I had to sign an NDA. Yes. Um. Uh. Because that it's it, they don't want it out. What what it is. What the role is. Blah blah blah. And that was one of those situations this past week. That so I I do have things that could be coming up very soon. Other than two cops in a car, mm-hmm. and I feel I feel very fortunate that um that I have a great manager and an agent who are still getting me out there and auditioning for things. But um, trust me, if, if, if things happen and when I'm, a, if, and when I'm allowed to talk about it if, it, if it does happen, I will scream it from the mountaintop on my website. Absolutely. Well, I'm still hobbling around with my fingers and toes crossed. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. I, it's great. All these, even the auditions that I've had, it's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, you, you have to, I had literally this last audition. I found out Thursday morning at like 10 Mm a.m. And I had about five hours to learn, learn my site, learn my script and put it on, put it on, on tape. Mm -hmm. So it it was, you know, it's quick. You have to, you have to be able to drop everything and say, okay, I'm going to focus on this and, and do the best I can in five hours. But it was, it's, it's a challenge. It's fun. Actually, it used to not be fun for me, but now I kind of turn it into something that's, it's like, 
it's like playing a game that I, I want to win and I want to, I want to do a good job and, and succeed. in. so it's, it's fun. It's actually, I had a good time doing it. So generally now when it comes to, for people who are not, um, sort of fully aware of how the process works, do you now find that, and you, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but with auditions in the past, you will be going mm-hmm. to a studio to do an audition. The, yes. It, it can happen to where it's an in-person audition. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things are happening now where they will send you the script and you put it, you have to have equipment like a camera and a backdrop and, and you tape it for them and you send it in by mm-hmm. a deadline. Um, and a lot of that's happening now more and more where it's on tape. They, the, they'll call your agent saying, okay, she has until tomorrow at 9am to get us this on tape. And we want to see her do the script. And that's, that was the case on Thursday where they just said, okay, here's your script and put it on tape. And again, my husband helped me out and he's invaluable. And um, he's also, I got to say the, the benefit you had asked about working with my husband, Mm -hmm. the benefit of working with somebody who can also act. He's a great coach for me as well. So if I get something at the last minute, we'll work on the, on the script a little bit together. And he gives me some amazing ideas to, 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 to work with. And, and he makes me that much better. He really does. He gave me some ideas that I never would have thought of. And, and I added it to the audition and I think it makes it going from good to like really good. And, and I, I'm so appreciative that, that he, he's able to help me out that way. So I'd assume then that, I mean, that's, that is, that must be a, a hell of a weight off your shoulders then if you've got someone who can assist you like that. It is. It is. Absolutely. So with, again, if I'm, if I'm incorrect on this, I would assume to a degree being able to audition in your own home and do it to a camera and then send it off in a, uh, whatever format, email, whatever, to, to a studio to look at. Mm-hmm. One would assume that's a little bit simpler than going to a studio and doing an uh, audition that way my question is what do you find more preferable well there okay the drawbacks there the positive to taping it yourself is you tape it until you're happy with it um until you think you've done what you can do with it and you're happy with what you did then you you you're done you send it in the bad part of it they don't get to meet you they don't get to get an, uh, an an idea of who you are they don't get to get an idea of like your energy or like your personality. Um, and they don't get to change it up or adjust you. Mm. Usually in an audition, if, if you're, if you make a choice and you're slightly off, they'll say, that was good. Try it, try it this way. And they'll give you a suggestion because they know what the director is wanting and they'll, and they'll, they'll adjust you a little bit. And you don't get that when you're self taping, it's what you think should go on camera and you don't get to get any suggestions from the casting director. That's, mm. that's a, that's a down, that's a downfall of, of doing your own taping. The, the cool thing is you can send in what you think you're ready to send in. That's, mm. that's the benefit. Mm. I mean, I can, yeah, I can see how that could be a problem because you work on your own intuition yep, of exactly. what you think the character is and what the, the part is. And I, yeah, I can see exactly what you mean though, because if someone comes to you and says, well, you're just uh, a little bit off kilter there, give it a bit more. Give, give it a bit more happiness or give it a bit more sadness. Right. You, mm. you go off your gut. You go off your gut and hopefully your gut is, is right. 
or hopefully your gut is enough to, for them to say, we want to call her in now and, and work with her to see if we can get what we want. Um, you just, you, you, you got to do your best to decide you're guessing what they want really. Mm. And I guess you lose the ability that you might go in and they say, well, we didn't think you were quite right for that, but you might be great for this part. That happens all the time. Mm. That happens all the time. We're like, you're reading for one character. Like it happened to my husband uh, recently where they, like they, you know, you read for this and that's a no, but we think you might be right for this. And he got it. So it's kind of like it's, it, it happens all the time where they see you for something else, but that's a good thing. You know, at least you're getting, you're getting work and you get to, you get to work with the, these people, even if it's not the character that they originally had your audition for. I'm okay with that. That's and fine. Have you, have you had any experiences yourself where that's happened where you can talk? I mean, you could talk to me about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely happened where I've, I've been in an audition and they're like, okay, um, why don't you take this script and they'll give you a different character, go outside for 15 minutes and work on it and then come back. We want to see that it's happened a, a, a good two or three times to me easily where they, they see you as something else when they, when they meet you and, and you have to, and that's where being on your toes and, and putting it together quickly is really helpful. Mm-hmm. You have to like put it together. You have 15 minutes to kind of say, okay, let's look at the script and let's make it, Let's make it as good as you can in 15 minutes. Which, yeah, it's quite nice. So with your, what's your view of things like the method acting style? I'm not really a method actor. Um, yeah, I, I, I just try to put myself in that, in that character's mindset, but I'm, I, I, I've known some actors who are method actors and I just don't know that if you have to, you know, stay up all night um, because your character has been up all night when you go into the audition. Mm-hmm. I think, I think as an actor, I try to portray that, but I don't think mm-hmm. you need, I'm not into actually doing if, if, if I'm playing somebody who's on drugs, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and take the drugs to, you know, I mean, <laughs> but being be surprised. It's like a lot of actors are like, well, I have to experience it. And you know, it all depends on the situation, but in general, I'm not, I'm not into, I am into research though. Mm. I'm like, let's say I did have to audition for somebody on a particular drug. I would do some research on that drug and what makes what, how it makes you feel or what happens to your body when you, when you're on it. Mm. Um, that's important, but I don't, I, I'm into research, not method acting. That's just my own opinion, but. Yeah. Cause you hear these stories. I mean, the great example I can think of you with people like De Niro, but you hear about it with, uh, a more recent example is somebody like Christian Bale who really inhabits his parts. You know, he'll spend like, he will become them for the duration of filming. Um, right. To me, right. that must be one hell of a strain on a person to, to, to work in that manner. I just don't think, I, I heard there's a story, what was it, um, uh, where an actor was supposed to be run, like, exhausted. And there's, is this, it, oh, is it the Marathon Man story? Yes, yes, yeah, that, yes. That's it. That's it. The Martha and, Man story. Yeah, I've heard this one. And and you know, I I just don't believe if you're supposed to be out of wind, I don't believe you have to like exhaust yourself and run around a building fifteen times to 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 portray that. I think I I just think as an actor, part of the gift you can bring to it is just putting yourself in that scenario and and portraying it. That's just me. Like I said, I know each actor has their own their own process that they that they do to get to where they need to get to 
Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I remember the this the marathon man story, wasn't it? Was that uh, Dustin Hoffman came into the uh, came onto the set? He was all sort of tired and perspiring, and uh, Lawrence Olivier says to him, well, "What have you been doing?" And he says, I, "I've been running to prepare for the part." He looked at him and said, "Try acting, dear boy." Yes, and I'm I'm kind of in that mindset. It's like you know, it it just to to be exhausted. I've been exhausted before. I can put myself in that scenario. Um, I, I just, I don't know if you actually have to be that much of a method actor. If, if, if somebody has to play a prostitute, you could actually go out on the street. And, <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, that's just me. Like I said, every actor, bless you. You have your own process. I just, in my own opinion, I feel like I can bring enough to it with research and, and, and be, and be good and feel good about it. So I asked you one of the questions, Robin, is that in the past, what part would you like to have played? So mm-hmm. looking to the future, yes. what would, who or what would you love to play in the future? What would your, what would, what Robin Shelby's dream role? I gotta be honest. I think for me at this point, I, I think I would love to play a role that would inspire young women um, to be in, in, in empowered to succeed and do what they need to do, and also to inspire. We talked about kindness and and trying to treat each other with respect. It's like portraying a role that would embody that and kind of encourage people to do that would 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 be amazing. Um, I. I there's so much going on. I would just like to to portray to, to portray something good for women and something good for people to to show a little more love to each other, if that makes sense. And I don't know what role that will be in the future, but I hope I hope I'm allowed to 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 take on a role that will inspire people to do that. Well, that to me makes perfect sense. And what I would say, Robin, if there is anybody who can play that role. It would be you. Oh, thank you. You are so kind. I love it. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So I hope so. Thank you very much for taking this time to to speak to me. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure. You've been you've been amazing. I hope to to talk to you again. Well, we would certainly love to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's Talking Codswallop. If you enjoyed this episode, why not go back and listen to the previous episodes? You can find Talking Codswallop on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Codswallop Pod. This podcast is available on Podbean, No Phony Podcast Network, iTunes, Stitcher and many other podcast mediums. Thank you for listening to our Codswallop.